Good morning, everyone. I'm Jonathan. Uh, my wife, Elise, and I have just moved up from Sydney, and we've been very warmly welcomed by um, the school and the local community. It's been a real uh, privilege to be here and to read God's word for you today. Uh, we're reading from Ephesians 2, so you can follow along on the screen up there, or if you have a Bible, you can open it up there. Ephesians 2, starting from verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you were followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good morning, everyone. Let's start with a prayer. Father, uh, we come to you now uh, ready to hear your word. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher and may our eyes and ears be open to what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one day a little girl was at home when the phone rang. She picked up the phone, hello, and the voice at the other end said, um, hello, little girl, is your father home? Ah, uh, yeah, he's home but he's very busy. Okay then, is mummy home then? Hmm, mummy's home too, but she's also very busy. Right, is there anyone else at home? Um, the police are here, <laughs> but they're very busy. Is there anybody else at home? Well, the fire brigade is here, but they're also very busy. Little girl, what is going on there at your house? Why is everyone there so busy? Well, she said, everyone here is very busy because they are looking for me. Isn't she a real little treasure, that little girl? <laughs> hey, in, in, in the middle of strife and, and confusion and disarray, disaster, panic, catastrophe, we often look for multiple explanations when in fact there's one very, very simple answer. And if you listen to the news regularly like I do, you would know that throughout the world at any given time there are lots and lots and lots of problems and you'd know that uh, the world we live in is not going very well. 
You know, there's rush about to invade Ukraine, pandemic and, and rising house prices and so on. And news reports and newspaper editorials, commentaries and so on, all depict a litany of serious issues around us. But we don't just need to uh, listen to the news to hear about these problems. In fact, simply by talking to the people around us we meet every day, uh, we can get their perception of what is going wrong with the world. Uh, well, I've been conducting uh, an experiment the last week. I started a week ago. I thought I'd write down every time I hear someone say or I read about what is going wrong with the world. And um, I've got a, I've just got some on the screen. After two hours, I stopped writing them down because I reached data saturation. That's for the maths department, data saturation. Um, so I'm not sure if you, you, you would, would have thought of those sort of things. Um, which one was the school students? <laughs> what did the teachers say? Too busy, too busy. Anyway, I'm not the first person to, to write down what's wrong with the world. What's the next slide, please? Because over 100 years ago, the Times of London, a very well-known newspaper, uh, asked a question of Britain's leading thinkers and philosophers and leaders, and they posed this question to them, what is wrong with the world? Now, there was no email back then, of course. They had to wait for the, the letters to come in on Her Majesty's mail, and they started publishing the letters in 1908, and there were... Lots of common things, things we just saw on the previous slide, you know, war, famine, po poverty, and so on, uh, were things that Britain's leaders thought was, were problems in the world. But there was one letter that was completely different to every other letter. It was a very brief response, and it was unlike any other letter they received, and here it is there. Dear sirs, I am yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. Now, G.K. Chesterton was a, a, a well-known Christian thinker and writer, and it didn't take him long to pen his letter, for he knew full well what the world's problem was. He knew that the answer lay in the scriptures and that the root of all problems, the main cause, was human sin. And, you know, the Bible recounts the first sin in the Garden of Eden. And all the way through, we learn about sin, what it is, and its devastating effects and, and consequences. So Ephesians 2 is the chapter we're looking at today. So let's dive into the next slide. And it starts off with a pretty damning account of the world we live in. Because we're, we're living in a spiritual graveyard because most of the people who are physically alive are in fact spiritually dead. It's pretty hard, isn't it? Look at that. As for you, you are dead, dead, dead in your transgressions and sins. It's written very clearly there, and walking around us are the living dead, dead, even though they are breathing and conscious. And, and the reason they are dead is because they are alive to their sin, their transgressions, their disobedience, and they're completely ignorant of the living God. 
And particularly in, in the West, uh, God is considered to be a almost historical relic, a, a superstitious thing that humans made up long ago. Nothing to interact with nowadays. In fact, for many, God does not even exist. And the spiritually dead go about their daily existence chasing worldly values and ideals and rewards, completely unaware of their deadness, unaware of their impending, impending eternal doom. It's very sad, isn't it? It's completely sad, state of affairs. And that's what's wrong with the world. Those things on the list we saw before, they're, they're not the core issues, they're, they're consequences. But God has told us through his word very clearly multiple times that the core problem is us and our sin and all problems stem from that. Next one, please. And, and the spiritually dead are the way they are because they have been blinded by the devil and they go about following his ways and we know that he's known uh, by several names including the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And Jesus has told us that you can't serve two masters. So that means either you're, you're a friend of Jesus or in fact you're his enemy. You can't have a, a foot in both camps. It's not possible. And the Bible tells us that people have scales on their eyes and the spiritually dead are blind. They can't see the light of the world. And these scales must be removed by the Holy Spirit in order that they can see the light and accept it. Next one. So who are the spiritually dead? Well, everyone. Everyone has at some time been spiritually dead. That's you and that's me too. Um, however, for us who believe in, in Jesus Christ, we have acknowledged our sins to God, asked for forgiveness and made Jesus our Lord and Saviour and we are no longer spiritually dead. Hallelujah. Uh, but no one can say that they were never spiritually dead because we can see clearly there it says all of us, everyone. No one gets out of it. Next point. The consequences facing all of us uh, for our transgressions against God is that his anger towards us is justified and we're quite deserving of this wrath or anger. And, um, you know, the Bible stop, uh, sorry, the full stop there after, uh, you know, we're deserving of wrath, you know, that, God could have said, right, full stop, and that's the end of the Bible. No more, no James, no... No one, two, Peter, no revelation. God could quite easily have said, that's the state of affairs, full stop, no more pages. How about that? What if that were the case? You know, the world is hopeless, it's useless, we're the problem, humans have ignored God, and that could have been the last full stop in the Bible, only it's not. Because the next word is but. Now, but is a contrastive conjunction. That's for the English department. Um, it signals to the reader or listener that what you've been listening to is about to change. Whatever you've been hearing or reading about, whatever theme that was, it's going to go off on a different pathway, that what you're about to hear next is oppositional. It's, it's different. It's going to be completely um, out of line. And so this but, I reckon, is the biggest but in all of all the whole world, there can't be anything bitter, anything bigger than that, you know. Um, and so, uh, there's a sorry state of the world. Everyone's spiritually dead, doomed forevermore. And then, full stop. What happens? 
God enters the scene. And looking down from heaven on his throne, he says, no, it doesn't, the story doesn't have to end here. I love you and I'm coming down to rescue you. I am sending good news and you can move from being spiritually dead to being alive. Next one. When someone comes to faith in Christ, their sins are forgiven and they move from death to life and such a believer is both physically and spiritually now alive Uh, and even though we will physically die one day, uh, we will live forever. Yay! And um, you can read there in verse 6 that what actually happens is God raises the believer up, lifting us up from our lowest point of, of depravity. Next one. And you can see here that there's, there's a bit of a parallel with us coming to faith and, and what Jesus went through, you know. So um, we, we are raised up as Christ was raised up. Uh, Jesus came back to life. We're brought to life. Christ was resurrected and, and we're raised up too. Christ is seated on his throne and we are seated at his table and the Bible tells us we are also seated with him in the heavenlies. Okay? Next one. Right. And all this happens, why? Because of God's grace. And we know that grace, what does it mean? Grace means really not getting what you deserve. That's what it means. You don't get what you deserve. It means though even guilty, you are found to be not guilty. Once condemned, but now no more. And God pours out his grace on us because of his great love for us. God's love is, love's God, I think, is beyond human comprehension. I don't think we can truly understand this concept. Like, it's, like we, we know the meaning is you, you get off sort of scot-free, right? But I don't think we really, really can fathom what that, what that means. Okay? All right. I'll give you a few examples of, of grace. I'm going to start with a story from school, a little example from several years ago, and I was sitting at my desk and I saw Mr Green, the head of secondary, come down the corridor and he looked at me through the door and he came in and looked at me, then he closed the door and he kept looking at me. <laughs> and I knew when Wayne came in, he wasn't there for a friendly chat. Past experience told me that he was telling me there's a problem. So I just sat there looking and he looking at me, waiting, I'm just waiting, just waiting, what is it, you know? And he said to me, Wayne said to me, a couple of students have been smoking marijuana. Now before anything else, this is not a common event at the college. <laughs> we, we might have an issue like that, I reckon, Wayne, maybe every 18 months, two years, something might, might come up. It's not, not a regular event. Um, if a principal tells you that they, uh, they never have drugs at their school, I reckon they're either ignorant or lying. Kid, kids experiment, it's a fact, okay? So, so we've got the students, and they're, they're only 14 years old, and, and Wayne and I, we interviewed them all separately. That's what you have to do. Uh, then we spoke to some students who might know something, and uh, we're, like, we're like detectives on that, on that day, like in, 
NYPD Blue investigating and doing reports and so on. It, it takes hours, and we're not, we haven't been to police academy, so anyway, we do our best. And I was a bit surprised, because the kids involved, they didn't really have any past history, and they're really quite young. They're pretty, pretty good kids with a few minor issues. And um, one thing I dread is ringing the parents to tell them what's happened. So I picked up the phone, I rang, I rang one mum, and I, I spoke to her a few times over the years for little things, and the first thing she says, what's he done now? And I said, I think you better sit down. I'll come, Mr. Common, it can't be that bad. I said, I think you better sit down. <laughs> and I said, oh, look, your, your son smoked a joint at school. And she went, what? I had to pull the receiver over here. She was screaming down the phone, couldn't believe it. And um, they're not easy, those phone calls, but you have to do them as part of the job. Anyway, so we told the parents and, and did the interviews and um, checked the policy, and I talked with Jason and thought about it, prayed about it, and then uh, we came to a, a, a decision. And on, during the day, we kept all the kids separated, and uh, one of the kids was in uh, what we call the fishbowl, which is a, a small room with three glass walls. Uh, anyway, one, one kid was in there, and... So at the end of the day, I went in, and um, he, uh, he, he, he had his head down. He, he was shaking like this. I, I did feel for him because it must be like when you're, you know, when you're accused in court, you know, and the, and the prosecution has done their stuff and the defence has done their stuff, and then you know, the jury retires to reach its verdict. It must be nerve-wracking waiting for the, am I guilty or not guilty? Have I got, what, what's going to happen, you know? So I could, feel, I, could, I could feel for him, and he, he, was, he was shaking like this, and he had his, had his head down. And I said, um, I've concluded my investigation, I've considered the evidence, I've considered your past history, I've consulted senior staff, and I've prayed about it, and I've reached my decision, which is... And, and I could hear him breathing ever loudly, more and more loudly, he was shaking more and more, his head was still down, and he knew the moment had come to find out his fate. And I went on, I've reached my decision, there are consequences for your actions, however, I'm not expelling you. And at that point, this kid, he, he, he burst into tears, and he just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. You know, sometimes when people are going through an emotional time, it's best to say nothing. Just, I thought, just be quiet and let him go through what he needs to go through. And then he, he just sobbed for a while and then, then he stopped. And um, suddenly, this kid just stood up. There was a little table between us, two chairs, and he just stood up and he caught me unawares. And he stood up and he shoved his hand out like that. And I was still seated. And I grabbed his hand and he's looking at me and he said this... Thank you, sir, for the grace. And he sat down. Isn't it interesting that a 14-year-old kid understood very well that he got off a big sentence? I'll tell you, though, he did do a few days in school suspension. He stayed back after school to clean windows. He did a research report on the dangers of marijuana. His parents were very supportive, and he didn't have a very good time after that. But he did complete his enrolment at the college without issue for many years after that. 
and I let him stay because I didn't feel he was a risk to others. They were very remorseful and they were young and they had a pretty good track record. It's case by case. So there's an example of a young kid getting grace. He just, he just understood it. He even said it. Thank you for the grace. But sadly, grace is not understood by the world. Next slide, please. Is it? I bet you're thinking now, aren't you? In fact, for many, grace is an alien concept. Forgiveness, I don't think, is something we see a lot nowadays, particularly in the, the public arena. In fact, the preference, I think, is to name, shame and punish. There's got to be punishment all the time. There's got to be, there's got to be blood, pound of flesh. No, no, not going to get off. No way. I'm going to get you. That's what it is. That's the, that's the name of the game nowadays in the world. One case I was reading about a while ago involved a, a university professor in the States who went to a pro-police rally. Uh, this was at a time when there were a lot of anti-police rallies and there was a pro-police rally. So he, he went, he visited the, the rally and he didn't go to attend the rally. He, uh, his work as a professor involves researching the world he lives in and he just stood on the side, didn't participate, he just watched and listened. Um, he didn't have a banner. He, he didn't wear a shirt with any slogan on it. He had just stood there and listened. And he was there for a short while, then he left. But back on campus, though, he found his lectures boycotted. There were demands for his dismissal, for his hateful actions. He was never asked why he attended the rally. And without being able to defend himself, there were calls for his sacking. And one commentator noted that it seems that nowadays you can be sacked for just listening. People are getting sacked for something they said 40 years ago. It's just incredible that there's no... Grace is a dwindling ideal. There's very little of it, and it's diminishing fast. That's, that's what I think. So the world certainly doesn't get grace. And, you know, sadly, some Christians don't get it either. And I was reading recently about some Christian missionaries working with an Indigenous uh, community... And they were saying that uh, the people they, with whom they work often believe they have to be on top of their problems and personal issues before they can come to Jesus. And, for example, they, they talked about one of the men at their church who had stopped coming along. And uh, when they finally caught up with him, they said, why, why don't you come to church anymore? And he said, oh, I've gone back to drinking alcohol, I'm not back on the grog. And he didn't think he was a child of God anymore because the alcoholism had got the better of him. That's really sad that, that this true believer in Jesus Christ failed to understand the enormity and the power of God's unending grace. And some Christians wrongly believe that although they know and believe that Jesus died for their sins, they can't be a real Christian until they are walking you know, that path of righteousness and and one slip-up mean, means you're out. It's a big misunderstanding on their part. Next one. So, the Bible tells us we're saved not by works. We can't, we can't do it on our own. Jesus did the work on the cross. Uh, but we are made for good works. Uh, but what are they? What, are, what should be our response to God's grace? Well, just like that student who didn't get expelled, uh, I think we too should respond... To God's grace appropriately. That means different things, I think, like um, leading our lives in a, in a worthy manner, 
of our salvation. We're saved not by works, but for works. But what works should we do? Well, I guess some um, things like making sure we're trying to cultivate fruits of the Spirit, you know, being loving, joyful, peaceable, faithful, kind, self-controlled, and so on. Uh, trying to live a holy life, trying to avoid uh, sinning, showing compassion, being generous, and so on. And I think also it's about spending time with God in prayer, in reading his word, and being in fellowship with other believers. Here's a question. Is there a work that's particularly good to do? I'll give my kids thinking time. I'll give you some thinking time. Is there a work that's really good to do? Well, how about this? Well, I think a good work is telling other people about God's grace. Isn't that a great thing to do? So they too can receive God's grace and therefore go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Surely, that's one of the best works we can do. And listen, don't worry about offending people. It's not your gospel. God is quite capable of defending himself. Don't worry about it. And the next slide, please. Romans 10, read that. So if you work at the college, go and do that. Go and do Romans 10. It's the Great Commission. And if you don't work at the college, go and do that as well. We're told to go into the world and make disciples. Um, this is one reason I think God created a worldwide Christian school movement that's still growing. It's going to expand soon into Foster and I think many other places around the world, many other countries, more Christian schools will open. That's God's plan. That's very exciting. And how exciting that our feet can be beautiful in taking God's message of hope, love, grace and salvation to the lost, to those who live in mess and despair and hopelessness, to those who can't see the simple answer because of all the chaos around them. But through a simple conversation, those people could move from death to life with God doing the work but using you and me in the process. So let's go and do that. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your, your uh, word today. And Father, we give thanks uh, that you are a gracious God. Thank you for your undeserved and unending grace. And we probably don't really understand it, but we know it's there and we've received it and we experience it now and we give thanks for it. And Father, may your Holy Spirit help each one of us to live lives that are worthy of the grace that we have received. And Father, please help us to be bold and courageous in telling those around us who are lost that they too can receive your, your, your grace, a free gift. And we give thanks for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day. Thank you.